I sailed to America from Drogheda on a boat that a friend of mine built. And it took us five weeks to go over there. And it was kind of a bit of a life-changing experience for me. It's a very humbling thing when you're out there. We got blasted around by storms and, you know, we were aiming for Boston, but we had to stop in Halifax and Nova Scotia for repairs because we got that much storm damage. Welcome to the Milk Bottle Labs Shopify e-commerce podcast, brought to you by Milk Bottle Labs, officially Ireland's top-rated Shopify experts. Milk Bottle Labs build, upgrade and market Shopify stores all over the world. If you're not happy with your current platform, Milk Bottle will migrate your online business to the Shopify and Shopify Plus platforms with zero interruption. This podcast is supported by Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for your Shopify store, available in the Shopify App Store. Thanks for listening. Now over to your host, Keith Matthews. Welcome back to the Milk Bottle Shopify e-commerce podcast. For episode six, I speak to the brainchild behind one of the most recognizable Irish brands. Donna Quigley is the founder of The Handmade Soap Company. In a wide-ranging interview, Donna, a former musician and Irish Thatcher, shares how he has gone from making soap on his kitchen table in 2009 to shipping worldwide on the Shopify platform. Donna has some wonderful tales. So let's hear how life on a barge and a sailing trip across the Atlantic have influenced and shaped one of Ireland's most iconic homegrown brands. Donna, thank you very much for joining us today. How are you? Great, thanks, Keith. And thanks for having me. How are you? Not too bad. Donna, we brought you over to, to Shopify. I think it was around two years ago. P- Peter ran that project. And I actually heard about you guys well before you, you reached out to us. I'd love you to give an insight into how you started Handmade Soap and, and your, your prior experience, because it's a, it's a very, very interesting story for our listeners. So Handmade Soap Company, we started trading in 2010. It was really put together in 2009. But before that... I played a lot of music in my 20s and it was a bit of a vagabond lifestyle. It was terrific and it was great. We spent a lot of time traveling around Europe in the back of transit vans and just having great crack, you know, but it, it, it can be a hard life as well and it runs its course. So when I was 30, I was living on a barge in Dublin, just in behind the Blanchardstown roundabout there. There's a place called Belflock Hotel. There's a few barges there. I, I've just got a a bit of a obsession with boats and all things, aqua and water. But anyway, I was on a barge there, and it was around that time I met Gemma, whom they married to, and the barge wasn't just big enough for two of us. It was a great bachelor pad. But I got offered a touch and traineeship at that time, which I took. And so there wasn't too many of those traineeships going around. Um, it was just something that just kind of appealed to me. It always made stuff in my hands, and... I just thought, you know, let's jump at this and see where it goes. So it was great. I loved it. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Then went out by myself for a couple of years and just thought I'd be doing it forever. Just loved the physical side of it, the creative side of it, the, the business side of it. It just ticked a lot of boxes for me and I was very, very happy doing it. And then the big bad recession hit and anything construction related just took a big, a big kind of hit. It just, it just all came to a standstill basically. So Donna, just for the listeners that aren't um, aren't local or international listeners, so you were actually a qualified Thatcher. So you were creating um, the traditional Irish thatch roof on uh, on houses all around Ireland. Is that right? Yeah. Y- yes. But in, in uh, reality, where, where I live in County Meath, 
there's actually a pocket around Loudmead Fingal where there's a hell of a lot of thatched houses here. There's a couple of little pockets in Ireland where there's a lot of thatched houses left. Wexford, Waterford, there's a good bit. There's a bit down in Cork and over Galway Mayo, there's a good bit. But around where I'm from, there's actually a hell of a lot of thatched houses. Now, a lot of them are up country lanes and you mightn't see them from the main road. So while I did travel a bit, there was enough work locally to keep going. 2008-2009, of course, there was a worldwide recession, but but in Ireland, we were hit particularly bad. So um, that put an end to, was it a luxury spend at that time or was it a, a necessity? It was a little bit of both, Keith. The luxury side of it, there was some new bills, people who wanted to touch on it, but a lot of it was necessity. But there was a lot of grant-aided work as well. So there was a lot of maintenance work or, you know, just retouching of old, um, older roofs. And a lot of it was driven by people who, who'd been grown up in these houses were maybe later on in their life and they were uh, had for, forced by the council to maintain the thatch. So they, they might have been a little bit tight in funds. So a lot of it was grant-aided and all that just seized up around 2000, the end of 2008, 2009. Okay, and did you conceive the idea before you saw the end of that, or did you end up kind of in limbo when the when the recession hit? How did you how did you go from thatching then into the the the, the handmade soap company? So new to writing was on the wall with the thatching, but I was still thatching all the way up in two thousand nine, and still had a good few jobs on there. My last job was actually drawn in two thousand nine. Uh, and it didn't finish till November two thousand nine. But I knew the writing was on the wall, so. A few things happened that year. In 2009, uh, I sailed to America from Drotted on a boat that a friend of mine built. And it took us five weeks to go over there. And it was kind of a bit of a life-changing experience for me. It's a very humbling thing when you're out there. We got blasted around by storms and, you know, we were aiming for Boston, but we had to stop in Halifax and Nova Scotia for repairs because we got that much storm damage. So it, it was an amazing trip. And that was kind of the, the conception of the Handmade Soap Company. I just had a lot of time to clear the head and think and think what was the next move. So I came back from that trip and came back to uh, Gemma and said, we're going to open up a soap company. And she went, oh, okay, that's great. So my last touching job was, it was actually a place called Harty's Cottage in Drogheda. And I used the money from that to fund going on a few courses where you learn how to make soap and buy some basic equipment. And I was kind of working in the evenings, putting that together, coming up with a logo and trying to shit, flesh out what the product would look like and that kind of stuff. Did you go abroad for those courses? That's, it sounds like a niche. So was there something in Ireland that you could go to or did you have to fly out of the country? So I went abroad for both courses. One of them I actually did in America when we when we sailed over there. I got off the boat, the lads went to the pub and I I went and did a soap making course. But there was a particular woman over there who I'd read about and she had a company called the Back Porch Soap Company and her name was Marla Bosworth and she lived just south of Boston, which I knew we'd be sailing to. She lived in a place called Quincy. So literally I got off the, the boat and uh, looked her up and I knew she ran courses but she didn't have one run at the time I said listen you're not going to believe this but I've just sailed all the way from Ireland to a boss kind of knew she wasn't going to believe it but I said I want you to teach me how to make soap and anyway I went down and stayed with her for a few days and just did some fairly intensive stuff down there and that was great and then I went over to London a woman over there called Melinda Coss 
who wrote a book called The Handmade Soap Book a number of years ago. And she was a bit of a, a legend, an institution within the, the, the actual craft of handmade soap. She's a bit of an authority on the subject. So I went over and I actually did a couple of courses with her over in London. I remember watching a, a piece on, on Irish television, done it, where after you did those courses, you actually set, started making the soap in your kitchen. Yeah, very much so. We, it was the only place we could make it. We had nowhere, nowhere else to make it. And we had to see what, you know, this was a, an idea, a kernel of an idea at this stage. This wasn't a business. So we just had to see was there any business case for it. So we were literally making the soap at two pots in the kitchen. Believe it or believe it or not, I've actually still got those two pots. I bought them from a shop I have called Sage and Stone, and I still have them in the factory now. The factory is obviously a lot bigger than, than it was back then, but I um, still have those two pots and we still use them for making little sample batches and all that kind of stuff. At the time, I remember when I saw it first, I was amazed at the branding. And I have a quote here that you gave on that RT television show at the time. And you described uh, the, the, the handmade soap company as Little House on the Prairie meets Paris, but up the road from Dublin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you, you know, it it actually, it, it describes it very, very well. A lot of people have difficulties, you know, describing their own business. But the branding and the logos and the print and the packaging, did you design all that yourself or did you have an outside influence? Because it, it seems as though you were, you were very much ahead of the kind of cool, chic, 60s branding that is now everywhere, all around us. I worked with a designer, but I, I would have, like, I would have hand-sketched a lot of stuff out and worked hand-in-hand with the designer and said, here, can you put manners on that and kind of smarten it up a bit. So I'd have no technical design skills, but I'd, I'd just have a strong idea of what I like and what I don't like, or, but probably more so a strong idea of what I want something to look like. So I'd have an idea in my head and I'd like to think would be fairly well able to execute. So, I mean, the idea of the humming of, of Little House on the Prairie, that's more an emotional thing. I was just trying to convey, you know, for me, that was a huge part of my childhood and the boots and watching the program Michael Landon. I don't know if you remember Highway to Heaven that came after. I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, little, uh, in Ireland at the time, Little House on the Prairie was was one of very, very few programs that we had. We, we only had one or two television stations, so everybody 50 down to, to 35 would remember the uh, Little House in the Prairie. Yeah, and, and I loved it, and a very warm feeling. So, you know, with, with our products, we just wanted it to be a nice positive product and to have a, a positive impact on the end user. So that, that starts, the first thing they're going to see is see it on the shelf, so it has to look good and, and kind of fill that brief of, of trying to inspire that little kind of uh, happy feeling in, in the bottom of your stomach and then through to obviously how the product works and the efficacy of it and that kind of stuff. You started making it uh, by hand and obviously as you, you've just given us the theory of the brand where you came up with the concept. So, but also more importantly, they're pretty much, are they 99% or 100% made from natural ingredients? Yeah, all except the preservative. We have to have a preservative in there. And actually, so, so we've always used natural ingredients, but actually I, I can announce this now. From the 1st of January 2019, all our products are going to be EcoCert accredited, EcoCert and Cosmos accredited. Now for a company our size, that's quite a big deal. Eco, we spent a long time researching this and EcoCert and Cosmos are 
the most respected natural accreditation within the beauty industry you can get. And they're only getting stronger and stronger. So it's no good us just saying that it's natural anymore. We just need to back it up. So that's been an 18-month journey on our side to get it there. And part of that, we've had to reformulate and do a lot of stuff. But yeah, they're all natural except for the preservatives. Did that affect the quality of the product? And did it, I mean, it obviously added time to your, you know, did it force you to change the, the process, your, your operations at the back end? No. To get that accreditation? Yeah, there's a lot of work that went, a lot of work involved because the main stuff is traceability, traceability of raw ingredients through, you know, from source through to, to end product and the paperwork trail that goes with that. Uh, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of process in the factory that we had to improve to gain that accreditation. And probably the biggest thing is the cost of the raw ingredients. They're just a lot more expensive. Naturals are just a lot more expensive. The actual quality of the product, we think, if anything, is better because we'd be very particular about that. There's no sense using natural ingredients if the stuff doesn't work. So, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff around trying to get surf, natural, you know, quality natural surfacants, which are it's a little bit technical, but in the hand wash and the liquid soaps and that, it's a balance between getting the, the right amount of suds and, and using the, the most gentlest natural ingredients possible. So there's quite a bit of science in that end of it now as well. So that accreditation, you know, it, it doesn't uh, just arrive at the door. It's a genuine trust mark then. So that, that should... I suppose, build trust with your customer base in the future, then it, like, I suppose at the end of the day, what, what I'm saying is it's worth it. Very much so. Particularly, we're, we're kind of expanding a good bit in Europe now and it's it carries a lot of weight. So Donna, you're, you're, you're called the Irish Handmade Soap Company, but it's 2018, so it's eight years since you, you began to, to mix the soap in the kitchen. So I, I noticed that you've introduced a few additional products Aside from the soaps, can you just give us a rundown on what your product range includes at the moment? Same hand wash, hand lotion, shower gel, body lotion. We do shampoo and conditioner, a hand cream, hand scrub, cuticle oil, soap, obviously, and then the home fragrance side of it is candles and diffusers. So it's a it's a complete range of natural body care products with some home fragrance as well, being the candles and diffusers. The production and creation of those products, obviously, you know, you're creating products because there's a demand for that, you know, in Ireland and abroad. To launch a new range of products, do you focus on launching products that are created in a similar fashion or do you just basically decide on new products based on the customer demand? Customer demand, really, and then try to fill in the blanks backwards from there. Because we make everything in-house, I'd like to think we're fairly nimble and fairly versatile. So there's not a lot that we'd be scared to take on in terms of manufacturing. So, yeah, customer demand and fill in the blanks. In terms of where you sell your products, initially when you conceived the Handmade Soap Company, did you think that you were just going to be a, a kind of a, a cottage business, you know, in County Meath, and you were just going to build a nice business and just supply the local area? Did you ever think that you were going to end up selling online and Shopify and shipping pretty much to every country in the world? No, I mean, the original plan was markets, farmers markets. And at the time, I think I realized there was, you know, at, at that time, maybe six or seven different markets around Dublin on a Sunday that were all lovely quality and a nice day. And for me, success would have been having a stall at each of those markets. So a team of people out in stalls. 
and, and that was it. That was the level of the horizon. That was as big as the vision was. And it's just kind of grown its own legs from there to some extent. And was, was there any aha moments where you went in the early days? Uh, hold on a second here, lads. We, we actually have something there that could really roll. Yeah, there was actually, yeah. <laughs> so the, that, that market's vision was around December 2009 and then I started doing a few of these markets and I kind of went, aha, hang on a second, you're going to have to rethink this one. So then we went to Showcase, which is a trade show in the ODS. It's on in January and it's it's where all the Irish retail shops go to do their shopping. And we we just got a couple of big orders there. Well, for us, they were big. At the time, we were actually still in the kitchen making 60 bars of soap a day. And I think the first order we had was something like 2,500 bars of soap. And, you know, they were like, can you put a barcode on it? And I was like, yeah, absolutely, no problem. And then... <laughs> What's a barcode, you know? So we, we spent the next six weeks having to do split shifts in the kitchen because we could only make the 60 bars of soap at a time to get this order out the door. So hang on, there might be something here. If I can do this a bit bigger and a bit better, there might be something there. Yeah. And your current location, that's close to home, isn't it? It's, it's in Kells. No, the current location is in Slane, which is where I'm from. Okay. So it's the next village over from Kells. Very good. We've been working with you for the last couple of years and um, you, you migrated over to Shopify. How have you found it? Have you found it easy to use or difficult or, or you know, in comparison to the, the first website that you had, are you, are you happy with it? Uh, very much so. So there's a few things. For me, I, I, I constant, personally, I concentrate more on the reporting side of it, the numbers side of it. But internally, our team here, the whole idea of moving to Shopify was that we would have control over the content of the site instead of having to go to our outside developer every time we wanted to upgrade a description on a product or put a new slider on the homepage or something like that. And it's definitely fulfilled that and more. Um, very happy, yeah. You're fulfilling the product from the same place that you're producing it, is that correct? Correct, yeah, yeah. We, we ship everything from yeah, so you've, you've kept everything as simple as possible. Donna, one of the things that I'm very interested in and one of the things that I've shared, you know, I've shared this with a few people in the past, the, one of the biggest challenges that our customers have is, is producing content and marketing their business outside of the, the easiest route, which unfortunately is Google AdWords and PPC, and it's, it's also expensive. On a regular basis, you create an email newsletter to your base. Can you just explain and just share what that newsletter includes? The intention behind it was give, 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 give. So we just try create content that we think people who would like our brand, they would also like this other stuff, whether it's other brands or whether it's stuff that other people are doing. Um, so it's just stuff, we, it's stuff we've interest in and stuff we found and stuff we think is worthy of resharing. So our the philosophy of it is, is that we are just bombarded too much content and we don't want to add any more to that unless it's worthy of people's time. You know, just respect people's time. So we just try to do that in a little newsletter. It's not going to change anyone's life, but we would like to think that it's worthy of someone's time. And that's the intention with which we write it or curate it. We, we write probably half the content and half we curate and uh, don't know have you what, what sort of a, t a team have you got uh, in Slane? Obviously, you, you, I know that you curate that newsletter, but you've, you've your own marketing team. So, have you got uh, anybody dedicated to social or dedicated to PPC? I'm assuming that you have a, 
a business owner for that within the business, have you? To be honest, um, Trish is with us three days a week and it's myself. So it, we're fairly lightly resourced on it. Uh, yeah. You know, there's, yeah. And out of those days, there's a lot of demands on time. Like like a lot of growing companies, it's 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 hard, you know, and it's real chicken, egg, chicken, egg, you know. We want to throw more resources, more people and more days at it, but it's 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 just hard and you have to make choices. Yeah, it's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and then in addition to online then, Donna, I noticed that when I go to hotels around the country, it's great because I always end up washing my hands with your product, which is brilliant. But I, I just wonder in terms of your own business, uh, what, what ways the business split is, is, you know, is the retail and the, the, the trade sector the largest side of your business or are you doing a decent chunk of it online as well? The trade sector is the, that's our bread and butter business. I mean, the online stuff, it's good and it's growing and it's grown at around 50% year on year. The business has grown anyway at around 40% year on year. So the online growth is a bit ahead of the business growth. Um, I guess we prioritize the online. We probably give it more weight than its percentage turnover deserves because it's our window to the world. So we spend a good bit of time trying to maintain the website and making sure it looks good and that kind of stuff. But our bread and butter trade is is bricks and mortar stores still. And, and Donna, just to finish, thanks very much for the insights and the history. Where, where do you see next year? Are you going to launch some some more products, or is there any particular market that you're going to enter that you don't sell in at the moment? Or is there have you got anything exciting on? Yeah, so we've a couple of new product launches. They'll be launched. We've a lot of new product launches actually. We've a body oil and a pillow mist coming through in January. And we're launching a couple of capsule ranges, wildflower ranges, so we're harvesting some wildflowers, processing them here in the factory, and then using that to make products. So spring is snowdrops and crocus. I think summer is daisy and dandelion. Autumn is going to be hawthorn and honeysuckle, and winter is going to be fuchsia, forget-me-not. So we'll, we'll have a whole lovely stream of new product coming through there. But in terms of markets... You know, Brexit is obviously everywhere in the minute, but we've been working very hard in the UK for the last number of years, and it's just starting to take off for us now. And there's a few really, really significant things happening over there with all the political stuff that's going on. You wouldn't want to think about it too hard, or else you might stop doing what you're doing. So I guess for us, the main focus would be just driving on in the UK. Your observations on Brexit are right, unfortunately. There's a lot of businesses that are completely depending on the UK as their main market. So I suppose you're a little bit different because you're selling all over the world. But look, Donna, thank you very, very much for your time. And thanks for sharing your story. We'll be in touch and we'll keep an eye on the success of the Handmade Soap Company. Yeah, thanks, Pete. And just to finish up, thanks a million. And thanks for Milk Bottle Labs. We've been working with you guys for two years now and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it and hope to continue that. Ah, perfect. Perfect. Listen, Donna, take care. Thanks very much. Thanks, Pete. See ya. Bye. Thanks for taking the time to join us for our sixth episode of the Milk Bottle Shopify e-commerce podcast. All of our episodes are available on Spotify and iTunes. Until next time, thanks very much. Thanks.